Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by co-host Matt Carter, and today we are going to reflect on NC State's disappointing 24-10 road loss to Mississippi State in Starkville Saturday night. Um, I guess the best way to start this podcast would be to offer some reasons of, for optimism and reasons for you know, reasons for concern moving forward after Saturday night. Because, look, we all know what the situation was going into this game. NC State goes down to Starkville to play a seemingly mediocre SEC team, was the favorite, and, you know, ends up simply being outplayed by a team that looked like you know, that night, Mississippi State was certainly the better team. Um, so we're going to get into those points, reasons for optimism, reasons for concern, because I think there are still several on both sides of the equation. But a quick reminder to the listeners and viewers at home, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always watch us on our YouTube channel, where you should subscribe to our YouTube channel and give this video a thumbs up. We're very close to our 1,000 subscriber goal, so if you listen to us regularly, use YouTube, don't you use, use YouTube, excuse me, that was a tongue twister, please subscribe. Please subscribe either way. Okay, Matt, um, do you want the honors, or do you want me to go yeah. ahead and start with a point? Because I'll give you the honors, Matt. I, I want to hear... What the first thing coming out of your mouth is going to be? Is it going to be a reason for optimism, or is it going to be a reason for concern? And my coffee mug here is a quarter full. That tells you my personality, right? It's not three quarters empty. It's it's a quarter quarter full. Wow. And a little wow. less. Wow. So um, I'll point big picture. Um. You know, I predicted an eight and four regular season. I think I went five and three in the ACC. Uh, that was my original prediction. I did pick change that to NC State to win the game. Originally, I had NC State losing this game. You know, unless you were counting on an undefeated regular season and improbable birth into the college football playoff, all the goals are still ahead of you. That's the big picture. And I, I watched last night in the ACC. I finished my column. I was going to write quick hits, and I saw on, on Twitter, uh, Florida State better be careful. And I, I tuned in, and Florida State gives up a, a walk-off touchdown on this horrible, horrible, horrendous defense at the end of the game to Jacksonville State. And I see on the bottom of the uh, took a, how uh, Wyoming beat Northern Illinois, the same Northern Illinois team that went winless a year ago, but beat Georgia Tech in week one. And I said, well, Florida State looks so good against Notre Dame. What happened? Well, wait a second. Notre Dame almost got beat by Toledo. If we maybe then, I mean, maybe Notre Dame, and it goes back to what we talked about. It takes three or four weeks to kind of figure out college football. You, you think Notre Dame top 10 team, right? Well, Maybe they're not. Maybe that performance by Florida State wasn't in, indicative of anything for Florida State. It might have been more indicative for Notre Dame. A long, rambling way of saying that they, yeah, look at the schedule. There's a key development at Boston College. We have to see quarterback Phil Djokovic 
left the game, had x-rays on his wrist and hand. So we have to see what happened there. Um, Syracuse looked very offensively challenged again in a loss to Rutgers. Louisville looked awful against Ole Miss, who's a pretty good team, but they still looked awful against Ole Miss. That game's in Riley. Obviously, Florida State is not back. Um, you know, North Carolina, they did what they did against Georgia State, but we saw what they looked like against Virginia Tech, and they still struggled to run the ball, it looked like, at times against Georgia State. So, there's uh, still a lot left for NC State. I'm not going to sugarcoat what happened Saturday night because there's nothing to sugarcoat. They got beat. It was disappointing. It didn't look like they were well prepared. It didn't look like they had a great plan. It didn't look like they executed the plan they did have. Uh, particularly on offense and all of that. Um, there's a lot of concerns that need to be addressed on the field coming out of that game. But, yeah, there were also missed opportunities, a lot of them, that could have changed the complexion of that game. That was my and lead in the notebook. Hit. Missed opportunities. Yeah, yeah, missed a lot. I mean, we can run through them, but they were a lot. And so... Yeah, they, uh, it's not like uh, Mississippi State was clearly better last night. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, few things. But it, the point is, it's not like the gap was insurmountable. And if you look at the ACC, I forget Miami. They went a dogfight with Appalachian State. Good. I mean, Appalachian State's pretty good. Don't get me wrong. But they were still in a, um, in a dogfight. So, uh, all things, things being said, I'm – I'm not feeling any differently about my season predictions of game by game that I put on the website that you can find today than I did going into last night. So that's the positive. Everything's still in front of NC State to have a very good year. And yeah, it's because the ACC stinks. Sure, I get that. But that doesn't the, mean you can't take advantage of that. Is it the worst Power Five conference this year? It looks like it. Uh, I mean, you look at it. Oregon uh, certainly made a strong case for the Pac-12. Although Washington stinks, so I mean, kind of a yin and yang with the Pac-12. I don't know. I think we'll just take a few weeks to figure out. Yeah, I think it just takes a few weeks to figure out. And um, the ACC really needs it, to it start playing each other. ACC, really, ACC really needs to start playing each other <laughs> just to get some wins on the table here. Um, although the ACC did not do, perform as badly in non-conference play in week two as it did in week one. Um, Matt, it's so funny. You zig whenever NC State fans zag and vice versa, man. You, mm. when, when Wolfpack fans want to be on their high horse and talk about how awesome State looked against USF, 45-0 shutout win, your response was, well, the Bulls sucked. So, you know, I'm not taking too much out of it. And honestly, that was the correct take. And now you're saying don't get too concerned. And you know what? It's really hard to feel that way right now <laughs> after the way, you know, basically everything that could have gone wrong did in the first half. Um, it wasn't that type of game where it was um, – it was never a blowout. It never felt like – it never felt like the lead was insurmountable – but it never felt like NC State, beyond the first quarter, was really back in the game. You know what I mean? It, it, 
it, it could have happened, but it was like, I don't see NC State coming back from this. Even if they're down 10, it's just like they weren't able to move the ball on offense beyond the first quarter. But anyways, let me get to my first reason, and I'm going to give you, if you couldn't tell already, I'm going to give you a reason for concern. And my reason for concern. See, Justin, Justin Crappie Mark Marcus, ha, ha, what is it? Well, you just started drinking it, so is it a quarter empty or? Oh, I, I mean, I've been chugging this thing. This is my first cup of coffee. We're recording this, yeah. um, you know, in the seven hour here Pacific time. As soon as I get off this podcast, I gotta go be looking at my Sunday Sunday ticket. You know, make sure that my Sunday bets are right because the Wolfpack laid an egg for me last night i'm never taking nc state again i'm i think i've said this probably 10 times and every time i get suckered into betting on nc state when they win it doesn't feel any different and when they lose and you bet on them it's just an absolute gut-wrenching feeling so i just i'm done with it i'm done i'm done and i'll probably be until back next on week them. Until they play Clemson and they're, you know, Clemson gets 23 points. Um, okay, my reason for concern is that the defense simply did not look the same when Peyton Wilson was not on the field. And he left in the second quarter. And before he left the game, NC State's defense looked awesome against Mississippi State's, you know, great offense. It's a great offensive system. Dave Dorn said it going into this game. You know what they're going to do. It's just a matter of whether or not you can stop it. And for the first quarter and a half, they certainly stopped it. I don't have the stat right in front of me, but ballpark here. They held Mississippi State to five yards in the first quarter. NC State outgained Mississippi State about 120 yards to five in the first quarter. And yet, Mississippi State was the team with points on the scoreboard. That's a problem. Now, look, that first, that opening kickoff return for a touchdown, I don't know about the listeners. I don't know about you, Matt. Feel free to chime in here. But I feel like there was a universal feeling among Wolfpack alums and fans everywhere that were watching that game. And as soon as that, as soon as he's crossing the 50-yard line, he's, he's gone. You know it's going back for a touchdown. You get that feeling in your gut that's saying, here we go again. And it's just another SEC game NC State goes into as a favorite. And the way it starts, an opening kickoff, you know, it it takes me right back to that 2017 game against South Carolina. Different game, NC State was much more competitive in that game. NC State should have won that game in 2017. But kind of similar circumstances in the sense where you're talking about an NC State team with a lot of promise, high hopes, going into a game against a you know seemingly mediocre SEC opponent. And I do think this Mississippi State team might you know be comparable to that South Carolina team in the sense where hope you know expectations aren't high for them early on in the season, but then they maybe end up going seven and five, eight and four, maybe. Mississippi State was better than I expected for sure, um, but it's just. Man, something about those SEC teams, you know, they say it all week. We don't care what conference they're from. We'll play anybody. We're not scared of them. But you know what? When they go down to Starkville and there's 50,000 people wearing overalls and, you know, ringing those cowbells, which sound 
you know, definite. I mean, I'm listening to it on the TV, and they have to block out the sound when the play happens, just so you can kind of know what's going on in the game. I mean, it is annoying as hell. It was annoying. It was a hostile environment for sure, and I think that the veteran players. I don't think all the players were phased, but I think some of them were phased in the moment, especially after that opening kickoff. Uh, you could just tell the sideline. The confidence that NC State had in the first quarter against USF, I mean, they could have run through a brick wall. The confidence level they had after that opening kickoff return was, you know, taken back for a touchdown 7-0 within 13 seconds of the game. I mean, it was, you could just see it in their faces. Uh, the only people, the only guy I saw that wasn't phased was Tanner Engel because, man, he was delivering some nasty, <laughs> nasty hits. And that last one, I was like, Tanner? Don't be tempting the refs, man. Come on. But anyways, Matt, what do you what do you think about all that? I just kind of unloaded there. <laughs> I would say this too about the game specifically. Again, this is not to say what a what a what a could have should have. There's a lot to be concerned about. There's a lot that needs to be corrected. There's a lot to need to be fixed. Um for NC State coming out of this game. And, and Sunday, they, they put the game to bed, and there's going to be a lot of, uh, of conversations and and I'm sure a lot of film watching to, to kind of go over all that. But let me throw a hypothetical out. You should never give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. So you don't allow that to happen. Especially you when this team better. takes so much pride in special teams, too. You don't, and, that, and to be fair, that's a good kick returner. He had a big one against Louisiana Tech. Um, he's known, he's known for playmaking. So, um, you know that that's just something that you, you have to watch for. But it shouldn't uh, shouldn't have happened. If you don't let that happen, if you convert on your goal line situation for a touchdown, if Christopher Don makes a field goal, you know it's probably ten nothing at the end of the first quarter, and this is probably a different game completely. For the next three quarters, completely different. And so, I guess my point is, yeah, Mississippi State was the better team. Deserved to win. I agree with you. I, I wouldn't. Let's see what happens. I think they're going to be a team that runs hot and cold during the year. They're going to struggle def- offensively in some games. Um, but they're going to be a team that by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in a bowl game. Um, even though they were finished last in the SEC West. Which I'm glad the announcer said that that would probably be a middle-of-the-road SEC East team or a middle-of-the-road ACC Atlantic or Coastal team, right? Yeah, if you um, make a bowl game in the SEC West, you you could probably win the ACC this year. <laughs> well, I still think Clemson will be fine by the end of the year. But, um, yeah. yeah, so, but, my, um, yeah, my point being is that the game changes if NC State took advantage of the opportunities it had. Um, some of that is full credit to Mississippi State. You know, they came up with some key stops uh, for Century State to try two long field goals. I think when Mississippi State botched a couple of punts, um, they, they did get the interception. They made the read on the rookie person jump pass. Kudos to them. So they created some of those opportunities and some of those stops. Uh, and so that that's good on Mississippi State. But if NC State handled their business there and takes advantage of some of their opportunities. There's another deep pass that Devin Leary threw to Devin Carter, I believe, in the first half that Carter, I couldn't quite get his fingers on. 
haul in. That, that would have been a touchdown. It would have been a 90-yard touchdown to Anthony Smith if the ball was a little bit more on target in the fourth quarter. So there were opportunities there, but particularly in the first quarter for NC State to establish itself and take a lead and probably change how this game is played and how it unfolds. And to me, that would be uh, the point of concern was not taking advantage of those opportunities and allowing Mississippi State to have a lead that it had no business having at the end of the first quarter. And then, to me, the key play, too, was giving up the first down on fourth and seven at the 39-yard line. That's when the game changed on the other side. You know, that's when Mississippi State took control, scored a touchdown a couple plays later. Um, that was the game changer for me. And so, but, uh, you know, it was a game of missed opportunities. It's concerning that you missed those opportunities. If you're looking for a point of positive outlook, have you take advantage of them and not allowed to kick off return for a touchdown, we're probably not talking about how much better Mississippi State looked. So, you know. Yeah, but the, the, those are the plays that win and lose ball games. you know? It, yeah. And I know the – the number one guy that knows that is Dave Dorn. I mean, he is a guy that takes pride in special teams, you know, so that, that you know that more than anybody, that touchdown ticked him off more than anybody. And I was seeing on, you know, Twitter, there was some chiming in of eh, maybe a questionable hold call around the 50-yard line, SEC officials. Yeah, I heard I Let me say this. Every kickoff return and every punt return for a touchdown has a hold or a block in the back at some point in there. Nine out of ten of them do. So, yeah, it, it probably was. I remember in the South Carolina one you talked about earlier, there was about three flags missed on that kickoff return that Debo Samuel had for a touchdown. But, listen, if we're going to be honest, you know, if you go back and look at Bam Knight against Miami or Naheem Hines against Clemson a few years ago, I'm sure you could have found a flag or two. That's just the nature of kickoff returns but go ahead matt what's the latest we know on peyton wilson i hadn't heard anything i I, go ahead and tell you this don't expect him to play against foman because there's no need for him to play against foman it wasn't a pretty sight you know seeing a nice pack wrapped around the shoulder and the arm and the sling same shoulder right left shoulder well you know he's had issues with both of them I did. I remember when he made the tackle. I was like, "That's not a good-looking tackle." Um, so, uh, you know, that 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 it was interesting that they went with Jalen Scott at that linebacker spot instead of Vi Jones. Because Vi Jones normally plays Drake Thomas's, excuse me, linebacker spot, and then he plays in the dime and dime defense. Um, so. You know, that that's certainly something to watch for. That's certainly something to keep an eye on. You know, obviously they don't need him against Foman, and it's kind of depressing to be playing Foman. I mean, it's a get-right opportunity, but you're not going to learn anything. Um, and then you get Clemson. You kind of wish that they, with that, yeah, and then Clemson. I mean, you kind of wish that they had another shot at a, at a not Clemson, but maybe a, a Boston College, Wake Forest, Louisville-type opponent right now, where maybe we could see if they learned anything from this or they if they can make those corrections. And um, as it is, you know, if you've got Furman or who you're going to be, you got Clemson, it's going to be a tall order. If you struggle to score against Mississippi State, you're going to struggle to score against Clemson. And then you got uh, Louisiana Tech. 
um, probably in between Mississippi State and South Florida. So, you know, it's going to be a while until we really know what this NC State team's about. And, you know, that's the big picture, I think. Is it, we still, it's still going to take a, a few more weeks. It probably won't be until that BC game where we know what NC State's about this year. Should I give another reason for concern or should I give a reason for optimism? Hey man, your call. Maybe both. I'm feeling another reason for concern, Matt. And maybe if I didn't bet on state, I would have been a little less pessimistic. But uh, it just, you know, it, I, the coffee is more needed this morning. It's fun. I get out to California and it's like, it's almost like you want to embrace, you know, your respect of your alma mater, you know, that's that's your school, that's your alma mater. I'm proud of NC State. I I want them to succeed. When you're in when you're in Raleigh and there's so many NC State fans around, you're covering the team, you're like you don't feel like you have to be a fan. You don't feel like you have to defend your Wolfpack. You know, there's plenty of people to do it. In fact, you gotta keep a lot of people in check with the red tinted glasses. But out here, there's no Wolfpack fans, so it's just me watching i'm probably one of like a dozen viewers in the san francisco bay area market watching nc state mississippi state at 4 p.m pacific time but that being said reason for concern um remember that awesome running back duo that ran for a collective 200 300 yards yeah, they, they ran for a collective 268 yards on 32 attempts against USF. Ricky Person and Bam Knight. And I love both of these running backs. I really do. I think they're both great, and I, I don't put all this on them. But remember that running back duo that everybody was talking about after week one, after such a great week one performance against a bad, a bad team. Now you go play an SEC defense. Let's see what you're about. 50 yards on 16 carries. And of course, an interception by Ricky Person and a fumble by Bam Knight, both of which in very, very key times. They didn't they didn't have a good game. And I don't put it all on them because there really wasn't a lot of opportunity. Mississippi State's run defense was legit, was very legit. But this shows you that when NC State's going to play a good defensive team that can stop the run, that has guys up front that can handle your offensive line. This offensive line, it, you know, it, it may be better than average in the ACC, but it's certainly, you know, I was seeing some things like this might be one of the best units in the ACC overall. This might be the second best offensive line unit in the ACC. I, I'm not so sure. Maybe, but I'm not so sure. You know, I, I thought Mississippi State, you know, State – won the battle at the line of scrimmage for the first quarter and a half. And then beyond that, it was all Mississippi State. It's like State almost got kind of gassed. It's like it's almost like Mississippi State just had more dudes to throw out there that were just fresher. And they had so many big dudes. Um, I thought Devin Leary look, was comfortable in the pocket for the most part. The pass protection was actually pretty good, but the run blocking was just... What it, it was, it was not there. After it was an A plus against USF, it was probably a C minus at best against Mississippi State. And I, the only reason I give it a C minus is because Mississippi State's run defense is very, very good. So you you have to grade with the scale there. Um, 
But when you can't run the football, this 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 offense is completely different than the one we saw in Week One. Yeah, well, yeah, I think one of the things NC State's gonna have to go back to the drawing board about is this. You know, I think there was maybe I don't know. I got only the coaches can answer this, but maybe they were just thought of. Yeah, teams know we're gonna run left, but we're so good we're still gonna be able to run left. And then perhaps that was overestimated a little bit. Um, so they would. It felt like you know, full disclosure, I was in. You know, we were watching the game from TV, so we heard the announcers too, and uh, you know they were talking a little bit about the predictability of NC State, particularly in the run game. You know if. Average viewers and TV announcers are seeing it. Certainly Mississippi State defensive coaches are seeing it. So, um, yeah, it might be like, we have to re- re- rethink a little bit how we approach the running game. Do we have to mix it up a little bit more, trying to find some other ways to keep defenses off balance so that when we need to go to our bread and butter of running to the left behind the Kwan Yu and Javala, we could do that. Um uh, and we can still do that more time than not, but we've got to do a little bit more to make it unpredictable and and keep defenses honest when defending the run. So uh, there's something to, for that. You know, the, the night fumble was a really difficult pill to swallow. The person intercepts and you're asking him to do something that he doesn't do. And, you know, it was a, I felt like that was a little bit of a questionable play call on third and goal. I wouldn't have minded maybe on second and goal when they got down to the three-yard line or two-yard line. But honestly, that second and goal play with the wide receivers not making the blocks out on the perimeter, go look at it. The, the numbers show that it should have been a good matchup for State out there. Uh, they just didn't make the block. Um, but, uh, you, you know, it's a, I don't put too much on rookie there. That that was, that, that was no, a no. tough spot. Yeah, but the night, yeah, the night fumble was a costly one. Um, you know, you got to take better care of that football there. And you're driving across midfield, opening possession of the second half. That's an opportunity. You got a break. You got a huge lucky break when Devin Leary got hit as he threw, and Devin Carter came up with a huge catch, one on four, out jumped the Mississippi State defenders to get the ball to midfield, um, or near midfield or whatever, and then. You know, then you, you you had a nice run going to the left, ironically, and then you fumbled the ball. That was a big play. To me, the two, maybe the three biggest plays were the person interception, the fourth and seven conversion by Mississippi State, and then the the Bam Knight fumble was used. But you know, I still think these running backs can be really good. Yeah, you know, I think they, you know. There were games last year where the the guys at UNC that are boasting the pros got shut down, I think, by Notre Dame or something like that. So, yeah, you know, it happens every now and then. You give credit to Mississippi State. I think NC State's got to be honest a little bit about its planning with the run game and maybe make some adjustments. But they're still weapons. They still can be really good for you against most defenses. Yeah, you know, we'll see what they learned after this game. That, that's going to be the key thing. What did they learn? going forward in terms of preparation and approach and and things. And again, some of it is on players too for executing and, and not executing. We don't know. They may have been, they may go back and look at film and say, God, you didn't whiff on this block. We would have had about a 15-yard run here or something to that effect. So, um, 
So we'll see what comes out of it. I just kind of, I go back to what I said earlier. I kind of wish there was an opponent other than Foman this week to see if we can honestly know what they learned coming out of this game. Well, there's not. And <laughs> um, I, I want to be very clear in the sense that, you know, reason for concern, I'm not concerned that the running backs won't be good this year. I, I think they are both quality backs. I think this offensive line is still a solid unit. Like I said, I still think it's an above-average unit in the ACC. Getting the conference competition, I think they're going to be okay. Um, you know that Clemson game is concerning, very, very concerning against that offensive line. But I think every team in the ACC could say that they're concerned about their offensive line going up against that Clemson defensive front. Um, you know they'll bounce back, but I just think we need to pump the brakes in the sense that. You know, Bam Knight and Ricky aren't going to combine for at least 200 yards every game. That's just not. NC State's run attack is is has promise, but we have to remind ourselves that this is a run attack that finished, I think, what 12th in the ACC last year in in running yards per game. It was a mm-hmm. below average uh, run offense in the ACC last year, and if it increases to an above average. Run, run offense in the ACC this year that is improvement and I still think it can be but it, it there's it, you know it doesn't automatically go to the best run run offense in the ACC it, do, it just doesn't happen overnight in one off season um do you have another point I've got one more reason for optimism for optimism yeah you take it then we'll do our game balls okay let's do it reason for optimism it just seems that Devin Leary and those receivers are very close to clicking they're very cl- and once once they click, I feel like Leary's still getting some of that rust off of him. You know, it was great that he was able to have a full off season and you know go full contact and you know spring and and throughout the summer. But when he's practicing, especially coming off of a broken leg, nobody's touching Devin Leary in practice. <laughs> and they, for the most part, USF didn't really touch him. Because USF just didn't have that type of pass rush. But Mississippi State did have the type of guys that could get into the backfield. Mississippi State did get four sacks on the night. Um, I know a couple of them there late. You know, I think, again, some of that offensive line just looked fatigued there in the fourth quarter. Um, but Devin Leary, I thought... Well, they also, they're teeing off, too, because they know what's coming. So yeah. the, the defense can tee off. But the uh, what I was saying about Leary, you know, I think I gave him a B minus grade against USF. I think I'd give him another B minus for this game, and with with promise that, you know, I see some B plus A minus games on the horizon. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple of the you know missed opportunities. An- you know, Anthony Smith wide open on a play that could have been a touchdown if Leary throws it a little bit better. Devin Carter had a ball slip through his hands on a play that would have been a 90-yard touchdown. You know, those two plays connect, and we're talking about a, a historical performance for Leary. I mean, those two plays connect. We're looking at a 450-plus game where he throws two touchdowns. And, you know, he really he threw one interception, but it was, you know, a late second heave. We're not really – I'm not counting that personally. Fact of the matter is, you know, he, he threw for 300 yards – you know, one touchdown, one interception. I know that one touchdown and a lot of those yards, you know, came in garbage time in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, he completed, you know, above 65% of his passes. 
He didn't turn the ball over. I thought he made some really smart plays in the pocket when he was under fire. He he looked he extended a few plays that I thought looked really impressive um, from him. Shows that he's plenty confident after that injury. He's not he's not afraid to to get out of the pocket and run a little bit. Um, now he you know he's not going to go break off a a thirty yard run for a touchdown or anything like that. But he can extend a play and get you seven yards on a you know second and nine situation. Um, so I, I I think there's still reason for optimism with Devin Leary. Um, you know, I thought I thought he stepped up in the moment. I thought it was just another case of, you know, he came out a little bit rusty. I think he maybe he wishes he had that first quarterback. Maybe, you know, a few of those throws he wishes he could take back. But once he got settled into the game, I thought he looked really really solid. And and he's he's got a deep ball threat, which does make it it adds an element to this offense that. You know, NC State simply didn't have in the last seven games of the year last year with Bailey Hockman. So, I do think there's still reason for optimism on offense. I'm not. I'm concerned. Don't get me wrong. They, you know, scored ten points against Mississippi State, a team that you probably should score more than ten points against. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not saying, oh no, um, SOS. You know, high alert. This this offense isn't going anywhere. I still think there's promise. So. I don't know if you have any. Okay, else every game, about. even great NC State offenses have had off games, and nobody's proclaiming this a great NC State offense yet. It could be a very good offense, I think, the potential there. But it, it, even very good offenses have bad games. To your point with Devin Lee, I kind of wonder if they maybe could have been a little more aggressive with Devin Lee. Um, I thought he was very. I actually thought he did what they asked. In the first quarter, they moved the ball because, you know, they were throwing those short passes and getting five, seven yards at a time. And they were high percentage passes. It looked like Mississippi State were playing off a little bit. Um, you know, so I, I'm not sure that Devin really missed much. I think he kind of did what they asked. I, I think the question I have with Lily in that game was should they have opened it up? They've been a, a little more aggressive with some maybe downfield passes. I look, I'm sure Mississippi State was playing some kind of prevent late in the game, but some of those throws to Porter Rooks down the field, um, maybe a little bit more aggressive um, to kind of loosen up the defense. I, that's kind of the one question I have. It's could they have uh, taken it more downfield there when, they, when the offense started to stall out, really in the third quarter too. Uh, it was really stalling out there in the third quarter. I think they had three straight three and outs after getting down 21 to three. Um, but again, that's where we'll see what they learned and and uh, see if they adjust anything or, they, or how they approach and handle it. Uh, they're in practice, so they, they know a lot more than we do and they see a lot more than we do. So um, we'll, we'll see what they think they can and can't do. In the next few weeks, still sticking with eight and four, right? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I felt better about eight and four last night than I did because I see I see Florida State didn't look as good. Yeah, um, yeah, Boston College. We'll see what happens with the quarterback. You don't wish that on any team, obviously. But if Phil Djokovic is gone for an extended period of time, that's a big blow for Boston College. Um, yeah, Syracuse. I kind of like. You know, good defense, so that, but that game's at home, and 
So, yeah, I actually feel even better about eight and four. Five and three, too, in the ACC. I, re- I regret going nine and three before <laughs> we had our you know season kickoff podcast to preview the USF game. The excitement of the moment took over. I said, you know what? I thought NC State was going to sweep the non-conference slate and go five and three in ACC play. So I changed my pick. I went. I I was eight and four as well, right there with you. And then went to nine and three just because, you know, looking at the schedule, I thought it was going to be an above five hundred team in conference play. And I and I thought they were, I thought State would just simply win this game. Um, so now that nine and three pick, I'm I'm in the eight and four camp now because my. My, I don't think they're going to go 6-2 and two in the ACC now. I mean, nothing that I saw last night is like, oh, my confidence level is higher in NC State in the ACC now. Um, so, But I still think it's a good team. I'm not – still going to be a good year. I'm not, I'm, you don't have to throw everything out because you lost by two yeah. touchdowns on the road to an SEC team. Because, look, I mean, a lot of those guys, that was the first time they had been in a hostile environment like that. And Fair point. Better part of two years. Because, you know, you got to remember 2019 was kind of a lost season, too. So there wasn't really a lot of high-stakes games. I mean, really, probably the last time they went to, like, a hostile environment with big stakes in a non-conference game was maybe that West Virginia game that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, a completely different roster now. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it happens. It, it, it It's an experienced team, but there's also a lot of young talent that hasn't been in those situations yet. They've got to learn. Um so let's get let's give our game balls. You go ahead and go first, Matt. Uh, game balls. You know that that's it. I'm gonna give it to Tanner Engel. Yeah, he he broke up a couple passes, finished with eleven tackles. He was aggressive all over the field. Played to the final whistle. <laughs> he sure did. Good. <laughs> that's some good clean hits. I thought. I'm glad they didn't review that one hit in the end zone. That was a clean hit. Um, unfortunate. I had to see the receiver get hurt. Um, but that, that's the risks you take in football over the middle, right? You're going to take those risks. And when the quarterback, uh, on the quarterback, then it is 10 angle. The quarterback threw him and left him vulnerable in that spot. Um, and and I thought it was a clean hit from 10 angle, and he did what he's supposed to do. You can't assume that that ball's incomplete. You know, you got to assume the receiver's coming down with the football and got to try to dislodge it. So, uh, I thought Engel was very aggressive. A uh, couple, like I said, a couple pass breakups, uh, eleven tackles to lead the team. So I, I'll give it to Tanner Engel. Well, good pick. That would have been mine if you picked uh, somebody else. But um, you sure? I mean, uh, there's something about okay. I do want to address that last hit that Tanner Engel made because I also agree it was a clean hit. I'm glad they didn't review it. But when it's Tanner Engel that makes that hit. And you know his history. You're just like, mm, Tanner, what? This game's done, man. This game is, mm. you got to be thinking about, you know, I mean, I know the team probably doesn't need him against Furman, but, you know, don't, 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 don't tempt the officials. Come on, man. It, it, good hit, but maybe a little unnecessary, in my opinion. Just, just my opinion. Uh, Tanner, Tanner's a different dude, man. And he's the dude that you want on your sideline, not the other one. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad he's wearing red, that's for sure. But he did play a hell of a game. And can we just get Tanner Engel and Peyton Wilson healthy for, like, multiple weeks in a row? I mean, come on. This 
this defense is so good with those two guys on the field and um, really hope both of those guys stay healthy this year because the defense has the makings to be really special. Uh, I'm going to give my game ball. It's tough. I'm, I'm torn between Devin Leary and Emeka Mezzi. I'll give them a combo because I thought they were both standouts in, in the past game. Um, again, I, I gave Devin Leary a B-minus grade, but frankly, that's enough to get a game ball on the offensive side of the ball Saturday night simply because there weren't a lot of A performances, unfortunately. Um, Leary did what he had to do. Like you said, Leary, Leary did what he was asked to do. I agree with you in the sense that I don't think it was that NC State wasn't aggressive. It's that they weren't aggressive early enough. Um, you know, those deep balls that he threw were starting to come in desperation times when that, that Mississippi State lead was about two possessions at least. You know, maybe throw one of those out in the in that first drive. You know, see, just test that secondary a little bit early because um, clearly there's some great chemistry between Emeka and Mezzi and Devin Leary. Uh, Emeka and Mezzi, six receptions, 92 yards, led all receivers in this game in receiving yards. Didn't get in the end zone, but... Again, caught six of his eight targets and averaged 15.3 yards per catch. Um, he looked great. There's that great sideline catch that got NC State in the red zone there. In the f- was it the first quarter, Matt? He did a great job of keeping one foot in bounds. Yeah. And it was a, I mean, it was. They got wide first quarter. And then they were about to replay it, but then NC State was going so fast that they couldn't replay it in time. But. I mean, it was a beautiful catch. Um, I thought he looked great. Devin, you know, Devin Carter had the opportunity to have a really special game, but yeah. it was just that—that's that, where the chemistry. I think they're just a couple weeks off, and that when Leary and, and all these receivers are connecting, um, that passing game could be could take it up to a different level. But yep, Leary and um, Amezi get my game ball, and that's going to do it for this podcast. We don't have to dwell on this one too much. On to Furman. On to Furman. And Matt, the Panthers better not lose to the New York Jets this afternoon. That I gotta get some redemption out of this weekend, man. Uh, Sam Donald gotta get some redemption too, right? Sam Donald revenge game, baby. Let's yeah. go, Panthers. Come on, we're all in. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Um, Listeners, viewers at home, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always watch us on our YouTube channel where you should subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up while you're at it. It helps us out. Um, You can follow us on social media. Follow us at our main account on Twitter at The Wolfpacker. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Justin H. Will. Give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack, at thewolfpacker.com. And last reminder, please use promo code PAC60 for a free 60-day trial at thewolfpacker.com. Unlocks all of our premium content, news, and analysis over there. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.